Welcome to Unprofessional and Unprepared, our lighthearted weekly conversation about sports, life, fatherhood, and whatever else comes up with no script and no preparation. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we are bringing you a special bonus episode to discuss the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets as a preview for their upcoming game on December 27th. To aid in the discussion, I am joined by two subject matter experts and old friends from my Vegas days. First, the pride of Bayonne, New Jersey, and a lifelong Jets fan, Brian Blankenship. Brian, how are you? Good evening. Doing well. Pleasure to be here. And second, I'm joined by the biggest Cleveland Browns fan I know that never lived a day in Cleveland, Ohio, Bill Doring. Billy, how are you? Incorrect. First Incorrect. five years of life were there. Yeah, I mean, how else, <laughs> how else would I have built such thick skin after 41 years of rooting for our team? So, yeah, good, good. Man, I put a lot of work and research into that intro, and to have it just completely blow up like that is pretty embarrassing. Um, Euclid Hospital, I was born. Yeah. All right. Well, born and raised then, four yeah, or five years in Cleveland. Are you guys ready to get into this? Oh, yeah. Blankenship, we're going to start with you. Rodrigo Blankenship is the place kicker for the Indianapolis Colts. I'm assuming there's no relation? There's no blood relation that I know of. However, you can see the athleticism that he brings to the table every time. These rec specs, obviously, right. we're somehow related. I mean, when I see him, I see myself in some way. And I think every athlete or former athlete says the same thing when they see Rodrigo Blankenship. I mean, he says NFL to me whenever I see him. Who, who do you think is a better football player, you or Rodrigo Blankenship? I mean, there's no question that he's playing in a slightly more competitive league. I myself played in the Patriot League, which is 1AA football. <laughs> hey, we, we did play powerhouse teams such as Canisius up in Buffalo, New York. Maybe you've heard of them. I have uh, not. Airfield Stags, pretty big program there in Connecticut, shared a MAC championship with them in the year 1999. But you've got to, we're splitting hairs, but if you've got to make a decision, yeah, now he's a better athlete, obviously he plays in a better league. Well, oh, but he, he's just a kicker though. He's a soccer player. He's a glorified soccer player. True. I don't think there's any room. If, if we could get rid of the kicking game altogether in all of professional or competitive football, I'm all for it. I think it brings absolutely zero to the game. I think the soccer players do nothing but ruin the fucking game on every occasion. So if there's a way we can literally just start at the 20 or 25 and just go for it on every fourth down and fucking go for two each time, I think we should do that. All right. I think that's the first official F-bomb on the podcast today. Well done. Thank you for, for popping that particular cherry for us. Bill, do you think Kevin Stefanski is the Frank Flansberg of the NFL? Wow. Uh, yeah, 100%. It's either that or I believe he might also be like a just for men model, you know, like the, the beard. Wait a minute, you know, which one, the, Frank or Stefan? Either or, either or. I don't. <laughs> I haven't seen Flansburg in a while, so I don't know what he's been up to. But, you know, he hasn't zoomed by me on the golf course lately just to show how much better he is than me. But um, he doesn't listen to this podcast, right? As far as I know, no. Okay. No, it's it's free. I mean, Brian, Brian doesn't poor, even listen to it. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he thinks this podcast is for poor people and people that uh, don't count. So, no, he doesn't listen to it. Sorry. I'm thinking Stefanski has that same kind of live athletic build that Flansburg did. He's got like like the cool guy beard, like the perfect like three day stubble all the time. Absolutely. Uh, always well put together on the sidelines, you know, like dressed to impress. And that's hard to do in Browns colors. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw an article the other day. They were talking about how he uh, he was a little thicker back in the day when he was playing ball. You know, he must have 
don't know if he got on the low carb lifestyle or what he did, but wait a minute, you're talking about Frank or Stefanski? Again, haven't seen him in a while, but Stefanski uh, in, in this this instance. So Brian, we, <laughs> we've got an idea right now about how the Jets season is going, but take us back to the beginning of the year before the first game. What what were your expectations for this season? I think the expectations were, as usual, phenomenally low. We hired a losing coach, a coach that had one season of, he won 10 games in one season with Miami and then shit the bed the next season. Only reason why he got the Miami job was because he was in a Super Bowl as a fucking quarterback's coach or whatever it was with Denver. And they finished seven and nine last year, which is crazy because everybody like the Jets, like, wow, they almost had, they almost had a non-losing season. The expectations coming in were they were going to be an, a worse football team. I don't think, and they traded their best player before the first game. I mean, they traded their only pro ball player, Jamal Adams, before the season even started because he cried for two years that already he wasn't being paid the highest paid safety in football, even though he's a fucking glorified linebacker who he has zero <laughs> ball skills. He has zero interceptions this year, just made a fucking pro ball. So that tells you exactly how he's doing at safety. But their expectations were low, but I don't think that I think they exceeded their shitty expectations with the way they went. 0-13 in the fashion that they went 0-13 because they did not play competitive football for, I would say, 11 out of the 13 games and then somehow played competitive against the Raiders and they went an all-out blitz on a final play of the game to lose on a Hail Mary to go 0-12 and then they got the shit kicked out of them against Seattle the week after. I think by mid-season, everybody, their expectations, the Jet fans' expectations were, okay, let's fire the head guy because it hasn't worked out. It will never work out. And let's lose out so that we can get the best player in college football and a talent that I, I don't think comes around very often. I mean, usually when you're looking at quarterbacks in the top 10 and shit, it's a toss-up. You get guys that come around and, you know, the guy in the Chargers is an exception, but you just never know. I think this guy is, a, he's going to make it. He's going to play. He's like a Burrow type dude. And so everybody was like, okay, if you lose out and you get that guy, then you can attract a coach that actually cares and is actually has a decent track record or a guy in college who's really good because it's an attractive job. One loss, that loss last week has now erased all of that hope because now you're a two and 14 team with the number two pick overall, and you're guessing on the guy from, no offense, Ohio State, who I don't think can play at this level. I don't think he's – he's definitely not a Trevor Lawrence. But you're either taking a shot on that guy or the guy that plays for the fucking milk drinkers in BYU, who, again, is a total <laughs> fucking toss-up. And so you now have the number two pick overall, and I don't think it's an attractive job. I don't know what they should do with the pick other than trade down. You know, what, what are you going to trade – who's going to want to trade up for number two unless somebody really likes that kid from Ohio State. So anyway, long-winded way is they, their expectations were not very high. They went, they came well below, below those expectations, but a winning season does worse for them because of how little talent there is on that team. So if they're sitting at like six and six right now, or you know whatever it is now, if they're seven and six and fighting for a playoff spot, they're in worse position than they would be now because – they're not fucking going anywhere and they need players and talent or it's the same fucking losing shit that we deal with every year. It's gross. Why did Greg Williams lose his job after the Raiders game instead of Gase? Is it possible that Greg Williams makes that call without Purposely, checking with the head coach first or on purpose so that they lose yeah. so they can keep the draft position? I think Greg Williams is doing us an absolute fucking solid. 
I think he was <laughs> like, I can't believe with the talent that they have on that defense, except for maybe one player, uh, maybe Quint- Quentin Williams can play and he's a great defensive lineman. I didn't think he was going to be because the first year was terrible, but he's, he's great. But aside from that, the talent on that defense is so bad that I think Greg Williams was shocked that Derek Carr could play as badly as he played in that game. And I think it dawned on him, like, if this franchise is going anywhere, this win doesn't help them at all. So I'm going to fucking go zero coverage, and I'm going to blitz everyone with five seconds left and leave some guy who I've never heard of, who's a practice squad player, one-on-one with the dude who was drafted out of Alabama, who smoked him, and Derek Carr made a good play. But I think absolutely Greg Williams did them a solid, and no, he shouldn't have been fired. Adam Gase is on the fucking he, – he can hear what's going being called in. He can absolutely yeah. call a timeout. Yeah. Like, whoa, 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 fuck all that. We are not going to run a fucking zero coverage and blitz the whole fucking world on this last play. We're going to put seven guys in the end zone and let them throw it up and see what happens. But at the same time, you got guys that can audible out of that fucking coverage, like Marcus May and Shadu can be like, look, we're not going to fucking do that. I'm going to call an audible and get out of that. I think it's ludicrous that fucking Greg Williams got fired for some shit like that when the team is that fucking bad. Like, it, it's it's a joke. He's a fall guy when he didn't need to be fired with three games left, and Adam Gase still has a fucking job. Yeah, I agree. Bill, what do you think the biggest change is from last year to this year for the Browns? Offensive line play, I think, has been pretty damn solid this year, which obviously, you know, they're one of the highest-ranked units in the in the league, if not the best unit, which, you know, of course leads to being able to run the ball, leads to putting guys in, in good positions. And, and, and I good think for Baker too. For, absolutely. I mean, you, you can, you look at how effective he is with the play action with those boots, you know, he's definitely, definitely benefiting from, you know, when you got to put eight in the box to stop, stop the run, it, it's somewhat easy pickings out there, you know, especially in the league, the way it is now with everything's offensive minded and they're going to get all the breaks for the most part, you know, but uh, that, and I think just cleaning up penalties, you know, the, the sloppy shit that, that we've seen in, in years past going back to week one, I was a little, a uh, little worried when we went with a fake punt from our own like 25 yard line on the second drive of the game. I just, I just remember texting my dad going, are you fucking kidding me? Like I, I thought we were past all this and, and we're eight minutes into the game. We're running a fake punt down by, you know, one score or whatever. But uh, yeah, I think, I think Stefanski and I think that offensive line 100% have, have been the difference maker for this team. You know? Are you and, worried and about the drives, you know, being able to establish a drive and, and give the defense a break. Cause you know, the defense has its moments where, where sometimes they look like world beaters and sometimes you're looking at them going, Jesus, what are you guys looking at back there? But giving them the break, get them off the field some, catch their win back, and, you know, those would be the, the few things that I've looked at so far. Are you worried at all after the the number of injuries we had on the offensive line right out of the gate in that Giants game that they're going to be able to maintain that for the next couple of weeks? Hubbard's a huge loss. You know, that was a guy that they just kind of could plug in up and down the line you know, a guard tackle where they needed him. Wyatt Teller is just, you know, he's such a stud, but then he's been, you know, he's... he's it's the been, third time he's been hurt this year. Right. Jedrick Wills, you know, what was it, last week, I think it was, that he came out of the game. He came up a little lame. I think he's he's fine. But, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a concern. You start losing guys on the O-line, which is our strength, it, uh, it'll, it'll add up quick. The last three games especially, 
you, you've been able to see Baker carry the team in a way that at the beginning of this season and all through last season, I didn't think he could do it. I didn't think he had it in him. And it's been awesome to see that he's able to do that. The, the game against the Giants, he was outstanding. I don't think he made a mistake that entire game. No, some of the throws he makes are incredible. You know, they're, they're so accurate in such small windows. And then you see, you know, throughout the season, there's been a few where this guy's wide open in the end zone yeah. and, and things like that. But and, and not I, by I, a little. <laughs> right. And that was one of the things, you know, coming out of college is, hey, man, this guy's accurate. And you right. saw it in his rookie season. You saw some of those throws that he was making. But part of it's also, I mean, what do we have? four offense coordinators, three head coaches or something right. along those lines. I mean, quarterback, obviously, we know is a, a, an extremely difficult position to play, and it doesn't help when you're changing playbooks. You think changing, so? Well, so I've been told. <laughs> I mean, QB1, we know, is not an easy position to, to get to. The thing is, at least they put him in a position where when you're good up front, you can actually play to your talents. I mean, fuck. If you put Baker Mayfield in a jet situation where over the past three years – they haven't had any returning starters on an offensive line, literally. Like they haven't. The Jets have shuffled their entire offensive line two to three times since Sam Darnold was drafted. There's no way that guys with talent are going to be able to progress in the NFL if they can't make a read and they're running for the fucking lives and they don't have any running game and shit like that. So at least they put Baker Mayfield in a position where he can actually succeed because he's not running for his fucking life every fucking game. And we've seen that in Cleveland. We've seen the Browns ruin quarterbacks. Nobody's ever going to know whether Tim Couch could have been a good quarterback in the NFL because he had nothing around him and he got destroyed for three seasons and then he was never the same. I think that's exactly what's happening to Sam Darnold too. And that sucks that you never get to, you never know. And then you get labeled as a bum, right? And nobody's, nobody's going to give it, you know, right. Oh, well, you know what? Let's give him a go down in Jacksonville. Let's make a, a move and, you know, bring Darnold in or something. You know, they're going to look at him and go, eh, maybe not. It yeah. ruins careers. Yeah, literally. Yeah. It ruins their entire career. So, Brian, who right now is calling offensive plays for the Jets? <laughs> it's amazing that you even have to ask that question, right? Because, <laughs> you know, normally you've got you've got an offensive coordinator, you've got a, you've got a head coach, and the teams that aren't dysfunctional usually allow the coordinators to call the plays. And there's exceptions like an Andy Reid. Andy Reid's going to call fucking plays in, in Kansas City. And uh, you've got other teams where there's exceptions where you just got guys that have offensive pedigrees and they're, they're going to call plays. Adam Gase thinks he's that guy. And so coming into it, and ownership thought he was that guy. Like they labeled him. I'm not kidding. I mean, they, they labeled him as an offensive genius because Peyton Manning went to a Super Bowl and won a Super Bowl. And he was in the coaching staff. So he was he's this offensive genius. And so he's been calling the plays. He called all the plays last year. And then he called the plays for most of this season. And then kind of the beginning to middle of the season, they delegated the play calling to the offensive coordinator, whose name fucking escapes me because he sucks too. But so he started calling the plays. And actually, you saw you saw a little bit of a difference. It wasn't anything good because they're offensively, they're the worst team in the NFL. Not It's not like conjecture. They're the worst offensive team in the NFL. But there was at least some difference in the play calling, and it looked like they had it somewhat of a clue in certain quarters in certain situations. Well, then that changed to where Adam Gase actually started taking over third down play calling. So think about it if you're a coordinator and you're trying you've scripted out plays, you've got play calls for situations that you practice and all this stuff. And your job is now to call first and second down, but third down, that ever special third down, that gets called by the offensive genius. And then there are other situations like two minute drills where Adam Gase would take over. 
And literally the press, which sucks in New York, they asked him point blank, are you calling the plays? And he said, well, we haven't changed anything. No. And then they're like, well, okay, but we were watching the game and we were watching the offensive coordinator and he was not calling the plays during the offensive series. You were. <laughs> you had your little fucking playbook thing and and you're 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 talking it's obvious that you're calling football plays and he was like well it's situational and they're like do you call the plays or not and he wouldn't answer it but the obvious thing is he's he will not completely delegate play calling because he thinks he knows better and they're the worst offensive team in football but he's called the majority of, of all of their offensive plays for the last two years and you've seen the result i don't know anything about football I've never played a down of organized football in my life. And even I know that it's crazy to have one guy calling the first two plays of the series and then a different guy calling the third play. Like that's like, just horribly inefficient Bill, and crazy. Like Bill coaches kids and they wouldn't do that. Like they, they wouldn't do that with children. You know have I mean? you ever no. tried to do that with any of your teams, Bill? No, 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 we haven't. Uh, I don't even think we tried that at AARP with like somebody else holding a note card or nothing. Yeah. I'm pretty right. sure. You wouldn't try that in Madden. Like you wouldn't like let someone else have the joystick. And- well, with Gase, I mean, when they first introduced him in New York, there, remember that press conference where his eyes are bugging out all over the place. Yeah, like, you that know, alone should have told you enough. Like, all right, maybe this isn't the guy. You know. Yeah. Like I'm trying to equate that to something. It's like that scene in My Cousin Vinny where you've got the public defender steps in and the kid's like, all of a sudden I've got a real attorney and he gets up to do his opening statement and then all of a sudden he does nothing but stutter for like the next ten minutes and spit and you can't understand a word he's saying like there was some excitement when Adam Gase was hired because you're like all right you got a football guy they, they did nothing but hire defensive coaches so they had Rex Ryan who was there for a lot of years and they had a decent defense but he was a train wreck then they hired Todd Bowles I'll, I'll never understand the hype about Todd Bowles like he's being hyped right now as a coordinator in Tampa Bay they're bad like they're bad on defense but literally they're already talking about where Todd Bowles is going to coach as a head guy next season when they have a shit defense and the Jets had a bad defense for the three plus years or however long he was in New York I, I, I really don't understand that at all but when he got to the podium and his eyes were like swimming in his head it was like that moment where you're like okay this is not normal and this is bad the yeah. offensive genius who can't keep his eyes in one position is now calling fucking plays it's like that dude in and fucking the water boy or some shit that was crossing right. like yeah, yeah. it's like you know like at some point we deserve a little bit better like somebody that actually can keep their eyes straight as a head coach in the nfl right you just lose all confidence right from the get-go right yeah just just looking like this is the guy that's gonna lead our guys you know like freddie kitchens when he took over at least he kind of, at least me personally, I was like, hey, man, you know, the Southern drawl, kind of a, the old ball coach type of, you know, right. I'm like, oh, maybe I can get behind this guy. I mean, come on, he knows football, you know, he's all, you're not wearing orange or brown, you don't matter. Okay, I can get behind that. But if you had been up there with his eyes swimming all around and, you know, sure, still yeah. would well, how, how long did it take you to jump off the Freddie Kitchens bandwagon? Oh. <laughs> well, they had no, me, like man. 17 penalties in the first game that year. I, he coached. I, I'm, uh, and, and billionaires hired, you know, like Woody Johnson's a billionaire. He, he actually somehow works for the president of the United States. They hired him. So you would think that guys like that who've been successful in business, when a guy walks in and his eyes are pointed in 17 different directions, they would. it's like the guy that doesn't wear the suit to the interview. You're kind of like, you know, I'm just not going to hire this guy because it, right. there's a guy that right. isn't cross-eyed. So, Bill, you, you alluded to this a, a couple minutes ago when we were talking about the Browns. I get frustrated from time to time with Stefanski's need to work in 
two or three trick plays a game. And I'm wondering if that ever frustrates you too. Absolutely. It's sometimes we're, we're, we're moving the ball. Well, we're, you know, we're getting four or five yards at a clip at a run. You know, it's just a matter of time before Chubb starts to, you know what I'm saying? We start moving these guys on the, on the D line. He's going to pop one play action, something. And then I see like the triple reverse pitch the ball. Well, look at the Dallas game that with OBJ that we should have, that was an incredible play by an incredible athlete. He should have lost 20 yards on that play, right. and, and right. we should have lost that game probably. Yep. And, and been another disaster that we'd have to watch for the next 30 years going, oh, man, remember they pissed away that lead that was, you know, that unsurmountable uh, amount of points that there's no way Dallas is coming back from, and, and we pissed it away. Those things do, yeah, they drive me nuts, man. Week one, perfect example. You know, again, fake field goal, man. We're not even we're six minutes into the game or whatever it is, and we're running a fake field goal from our own 30. Yeah. It drives me nuts because it, it feels like they they come up in moments when it takes them away from their strength. It's third right. and two, and all of a sudden Jarvis Landry is throwing like a sideline out. Like that's, that's right. you have Nick Chubb and you have Kareem Hunt, who I think has been my favorite player to watch this year because he runs so hard every time he touches the ball. But instead of handing it to one of those guys, you're going to let Jarvis Landry throw a pass to Baker Mayfield on the sideline. And like it worked and they picked up the first down. I think that was the either Tennessee game or the Baltimore game that that happened. I think it was the Tennessee game. Tennessee game. Yeah. But it drives me nuts. And it's, we're being a little bit nitpicky with Stefanski overall. He's my gosh, he's got him to 10 wins. It's incredible. I'm not 11. a fan of the trick plays. I'm with eleven very soon, which is a fucking great year. You can go eleven and five. You know, that's a great. Yeah. You're in the. Yeah. You're in the hunt. You can win a division and get an and get a playoff game. And I don't know. I don't know where they're at ranked in the AFC, but obviously you got the Chiefs. And then I don't know. Are they in a running for a bye week? No, right. If they no. if they won out, went twelve and four. Even then, you got Buffalo. You got yeah. Okay. I, I don't think any of that. Uh, well, if we win the division, we don't get a bye. You get a no. home game, but you won't get a buy. I mean, there's only bye. one okay. buy. There's seven. There's oh, seven playoff right. teams. Yeah. Oh, there's only one buy. Never mind. Yeah. yeah. Listen, so that, we're in a position where we could actually go, you know, twelve and four and not make the playoffs. I mean, it's yeah. as unbelievable as that sounds. That's that's a real possibility. Well, no, I don't think so because if we went now, as we if lose, we, the, if we beat the Steelers. Well, then you'd have the tie break, but yeah, no. If, if you lost, that's that. if we went out. If we were to, if we were to go right and, and lose, let's say we beat the Jets and, and have to play Pittsburgh and we lose to Pittsburgh that week seventeen, and if these other teams keep winning out, we'll actually not make the playoffs, which is about the most Cleveland thing you could possibly right. do. I think. I mean, could you imagine? I, I kept thinking. I had texted Brian. I go, "What would be the most Cleveland Jets thing to do? Is you beat us week sixteen? that puts us out of the playoffs somehow and takes you out of the, out of the running. Now I'm glad you guys on a personal level, you know, have nothing left to play for. You got your one win. You're not going to go oh, in 16. Let's just pack it in for the season. You know, <laughs> you know it hurts as a fan, but here's the problem though. They've, they've clinched the number two pick in the draft and they can, they can't improve it unless Jacksonville loses. So Jacksonville loses to Chicago, which I think is, believe it or not, I think it's a possibility. I think the bears are such a shit show. Um, Jacksonville wins. Jacksonville wins. You mean, Sorry, Jacksonville right. wins out. Right. Oh, they could beat Chicago for sure. Yeah, they could beat that team. I, I mean, the Bears have been playing better, but like in a situation where they have to win to get the playoffs, you like you feel good about Mitch Trubisky and shit in Jacksonville. I, I think Jacksonville can win that game. But aside from that, the Jets cannot finish worse, even if they won out, than the number two pick in the draft, which would I which would worry me a little bit if I were Cleveland because this team has nothing to lose. But I, I can't see a back to back. 
I, I can't. I think the best thing you you have is that the Jets won last week, and yeah, they're going to shit the bed yeah. hard this coming next week. Because now you start, you'll, you'll start to see the the guys that quit too. You'll, you'll get the guys that are somehow now on injured reserve for the last two weeks. Right. And yeah. Uh, the hammies acting up. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, it's like, why am I going to play these last two fucking games? There are no fans playing for zero. The head coach is getting fired. The, de- the defensive coordinator did get fired. Everybody's going after the season. Like fuck it, I'll just. I'll watch this one and fucking and with a coat and a hat on. All right, so Brian, tell us what's going to happen next week in the Browns and the Jets game. I think it's a double-digit loss, man. If if the Browns are smart, they will move Miles Garrett around to get away from Becton, who's the only guy on that team with any talent on the offensive side of the ball, except for maybe Denzel Mims and, and I guess Sam Darnold. But if they can get Miles Garrett isolated with any other offensive lineman on that team, there is not a guy – who can hang with him, and Sam Darnold has happy feet when he gets blitzed. There's nobody that can cover Jarvis Landry. The Jets have had a bad run defense the last few weeks. They're actually pretty good for most of the season, but they don't have an answer for a guy like Chubb and and Kareem Hunt, stuff like that. Plus, the Jets have not covered a tight end since Bill Parcells was coaching the team. So if the the Browns are smart, they'll get those, those few guys rolling early at the tight end position. And I, I think the Browns win by double digits, man. I think the only way they get in trouble is if the Browns turn the ball over, try to do too much, like gimmick trick fucking plays, don't need to against the Jets defense, yeah. Yeah. run your offense, run the football, take some chances deep downfield. Marcus May is a good football player, so stay away from him at the safety position. And dink and dunk, there's not a linebacker on that team that can cover either one of those running backs, cover any one of those tight ends, you just play the game that you're used to playing. Don't do anything special. You win that game by double digits and you move on. Yeah, I mean, I'm with Brian. I'd love to see like a, I don't need to see a, you know, 50 points on the board. Let's just see a 24 7 victory. Go in there, run the ball real well, play smart football. Don't get a bunch of, you know, no turnovers, not a bunch of penalties. Get out of there clean without getting injured. You know, I, I want to be able to, when that game's ending, I want to go, man, look at this around the league. There's still 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter and all these other games because, I want to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, get everybody out of there safe. Guys like, you know, you're talking about Miles Garrett. You know, I, I think ever since he came back from the COVID, yeah. he's, he's struggling. He's, he's mm-hmm. struggling some. And he's the first, you know, he, he talks about it. He's, he's having trouble keeping his lungs and give these guys get a breather. Yeah, <laughs> certainly hope so. But, yeah, you know, just, just so we're going into Pittsburgh healthy, get these guys rested, get some of these other guys some snaps in there that, you know, that maybe aren't getting – getting the reps, you know, get them a little bit more experience out there. And hopefully uh, we don't see Sandejo back on the field for the rest of the year. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad, Bill, to hear that there are other Sandejo detractors in the world because uh, I'm, I'm not a fan. He, he he's is terrible. My he's friend, terrible. He's right now, he's in the concussion protocol, and we want him to be okay, and we want him to be healthy, and, you know, want to need, like, long-term. He's sitting in a dark room right now with a headache. <laughs> I mean, he's just. It's supposed to be a lighthearted conversation, Bill. We're supposed to be having a good time. <laughs> He's so bad, though. I mean, he's so bad. Every yes. time he's on the field, it's just it's unbelievable. And it was no. it was striking to me that the defense looked so good against the Giants in the game he wasn't playing in. I mean, that, that I mean, tells you something about what he's doing. How many times are you watching throughout the season and you just see the play ends and then a flash of 23 because he's two steps behind the ball every time? Yeah. Every time. Oh, there it comes flying in. He's got to jump over the pile because he's two steps behind. He's, yeah. he's just bad. He's just bad, man. Yeah. 
And the bleached hair thing doesn't help either. Never does. No. Never does. Never help anybody, as far as oh. I know. Well, boys, I want to thank you guys for joining me tonight. I know that it is Christmas time and everybody's busy and everybody's got a lot of stuff going on. But uh, I, I thought about doing this a couple of weeks ago and thought, man, this will be great before this game to get these two guys on together and, and have them talk about the game. You did not disappoint. And it was great to see you both again and get to talk to you guys again. And I hope you have a wonderful holiday and a wonderful Christmas and a wonderful New Year and all that. Same here, man. Best to your family. To to end things, I just want everyone to know, the world who's going to be listening to this podcast, obviously, that you're welcome. Baker Mayfield, by the way, was created by the Jets. And the reason why I say that is because Bill and I were watching a Monday night football game where Tyrod Taylor started the football right. game and the Jets were up by 14 points at half. Baker Mayfield started the second half of that football game, won the football game because the Jets have never won against a backup quarterback in their life. The rest is history. Baker Mayfield has started every single game since. You're so, actually wrong on several of your facts, but you're pretty close. Really? So I'll give you credit. Really? It was a Sounds Thursday night game, right? The yeah. Thursday night game, and he came in in the in the first half. Okay, Thursday yeah. game, but it was a nationally televised game. It was. But I, I, was. you are absolutely correct, though. I do remember Brian going, "Hey, man, it doesn't matter. Like the Jets can't beat backups." And then you went <laughs> down a laundry list of backups you lost to, and uh, sure enough, you were right. I mean, he came in there and just I think that first play, like just threw like a rope, like twenty yep. yards, and you're oh, gone. I remember. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah, we went down the field. I don't think we – we ended up with a field goal on that drive, I want to say. I don't know if we got a touchdown on that. But it sparked hope. And, and yeah, and we're good at that. I mean, 20 years ago, Mo Lewis absolutely destroyed Drew Bledsoe as he was heading towards <laughs> out of bounds to the point where Drew Bledsoe was internally bleeding. That's how hard Mo Lewis, no. the outside linebacker for the Jets, hit him. And I was like, their fucking season is over. Fuck that guy. And the next fucking guy ended up winning six fucking Super Bowls. There you go. There you, there's your, the next 20 years of your life. <laughs> that was kind of the end of the neck roll, right? Didn't Mo Lewis just always wear the neck roll? Yeah, he wore some big yeah. ass pads to make yeah. up the neck that he sucked, like all of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, fellas. Hey, thank you guys for the time. It's awesome to see you. We'll get this back and we'll run this back again sometime soon. Okay. You guys are a lot of fun. I'm sure we can talk about other things than just the, the Jets and the Browns. Yeah. Maybe Bill next and I know year's women. AFC championship game. Yeah. Right. And Bill and I know women really well. So if you want to do next time, you just want to talk about women, we can do that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. I, I know nothing about women. Uh, so I'm really impressed <laughs> that either of you claim to know anything. <laughs> Yeah. One's on the other side of the wall, probably laughing right now. <laughs> Mine's on the other side of the wall thinking that motherfucker, this baby's crying and he's doing nothing but talking about jet football. <laughs> well, tell her it's important. This is a new venture in your life. Yeah. And, you know, who knows, man, maybe we'll hit it big and all of a sudden, you know, well, you'll get paid to talk about jet oh, football. Those, those calluses that that baby's going to develop being a Jets fan is going to pay dividends over his, his lifetime. So, don't no. do it. Don't no, do it. There's a clean slate. I'm going to put him in a fucking Packers jersey or some shit. Just don't.
don't do it. I, I never gave any of my kids the albatross of Cleveland sports. Not that they would have taken it anyway, because I don't think any of them really like sports that much. But let them be free. Nobody, nobody needs to suffer like this for forty years. Nobody does. Agreed. Well, I've tried to end this like three times already. You guys right. keep talking. I don't know. Are we, are we still going? Leaving, <laughs> Bill. Right, I hope to see you this holiday before it ends. And Jason, when you're in Vegas, fucking let us know. Oh, I will. I will. Don't worry. The next time, once COVID goes away, plan a trip out there. Awesome. Sounds All good. Right, fellas. Happy holidays. See you guys. I'll see you.